0: Welcome to the Positive Impact Podcast, where we dive into the world of movers, shakers, and changemakers, creating a positive impact on the world. This is your host, Alexandra Black-Pollock, and together we're going to tackle real issues, discovering how we can make the world a better place. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Tired of the grocery store? Looking to spice up dinners? HelloFresh delivers delicious ingredients and easy recipes straight to your door. Take $40 off your first box at positiveimpactpodcast.com slash fresh. You'll be enjoying cooking again in no time. To all of our green enthusiasts out there, get excited. Today's episode is kicking off an entire month of episodes around sustainability, green energy, food, and more as we lead up to Earth Day. And today's guest is a great way to jumpstart. Joining me is Raj Karmani, founder of Zero Percent. This innovative cloud based and mobile platform is making it easier than ever for businesses to donate surplus food to nonprofits, soup kitchens that need it right now. Easy, efficient, effective. Raj, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me, Alex. Uh, what a great intro.
0: <laughs> oh, I appreciate <laughs> it. We're not going to talk about how long I worked on it. I have to admit, I'm totally stoked for today's episode, and I have been for a while, ever since I interviewed Elizabeth Koston from Impact Engine, and she mentioned 0% as one of those really innovative models that she's kind of encountered.
1: Oh, that's great. I just met Elizabeth last evening. Uh, She's a great champion, a great supporter of social (laughs) impact and entrepreneurship.
0: And you guys have a lot of supporters through Impact Engine, because on top of that, in that Stories from the Field episode, Nicole Chavez also had made an investment into your company. Needless to say, I think you guys are doing something pretty cool.
1: Thank you. I I think we are starting out. We are so excited (laughs) about what
0: is ahead. Yeah. Before we really dive into what your platform does, I'm kind of curious, what inspired Zero Percent? 0%
1: 0% is, 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 was actually a dream. It started out as a dream that we, can, we naive students can actually cut food waste down to 0%. Uh, it came about when we saw at a restaurant in Champaign-Urbana that the owner is trying their best to cut food waste and donate their surplus food, but was having a challenge doing so. And, and some of us thought this shouldn't be the way, especially in this age of technology and efficiency and uh, consciousness about social good. There should be no good food thrown away. And how can we achieve zero percent food waste? Really started out as a dream.
0: Talk about dreaming big. I want no more food waste. Uh, you got to shoot for the stars, though, right?
1: Exactly. We can mo- spread the movement throughout the world.
0: Now, You're describing exactly what I see with business owners, that they really have a heart and desire to kind of help spread around food that they have that they can no longer use. What challenges and barriers were in their way from doing this?
1: Certainly. uh, Great question. Uh, With the Einstein Bagel Store at Champagne urbana the owner, Mark, his challenge was that every day at the end of uh, uh, his shift, he would have few sandwiches, few bagels, and it was very hard to coordinate with the non-profits to make uh, make a sense of who would need this product, who would need this quantity, who has the resources and volunteers to come in and grab it. And every day that was a constant struggle. And that's one of the big operational challenges, not knowing what nonprofits are around you and who can take it.
0: Especially at that moment, because obviously food has a lifespan. I mean, that's kind of the whole point, right?
1: (laughs) Exactly. Fresh food needs to move quickly. It cannot be stored or kept for a long time. It needs to go directly, very quickly, in a safe and reliable way in that moment.
0: And I love nonprofits, and we featured some great ones on the show, but typically they're a little bit understaffed and occasionally they can be a little hard to get a hold of. So if you're trying to move product, it's a little bit of an extra challenge.
1: It is, because uh, Mark did not have uh, resources to go and drop off. That, that's the first question they asked. Oh, do we have to drop off this donation ourselves? That is a big challenge for businesses. And how could we make it really easy? And the, another dream is making it as easy as throwing away.
0: Oh, now that, you're really shooting high. So we're not only getting rid of food waste, but you're making it as easy, if not easier, Than throwing food away.
1: That's the dream. That's the dream. That's our mission. Every day we strive and ask ourselves question: How can we make today a little easier than throwing away? We are not there yet, but we are committed to get there.
0: Well, for a young company, you guys are doing pretty well on achieving that mission. And let's be honest, we really do need more people shooting that high and making these positive impacts and these sustainable initiatives that easy to implement in their daily lives.
1: Certainly. I'm I'm glad to be here and sharing that uh, experience and uh, thoughts with you.
0: So we've talked a little bit about the challenges. First off, they didn't know where they could go. Second off, nonprofits can be a little challenging to reach out to. Third, they don't have the time or the capacity to drop off these different food to nonprofits around their city. What other challenges and barriers were they facing?
1: Certainly. A lot of uh, businesses, as we expanded our outreach, were not aware that donating fresh, healthy food is safe and reliable, and there is no liability. Only in 1996, the, federal, uh, the Congress the, had passed a federal bill called the Good Samaritan Food Donation Act that protects donors from any liability as long as they act in good faith.
0: I'm so glad you brought that up because I can imagine that even while they have that Good Samaritan Act, there were still a couple of regulations that you needed to navigate. Were there certain things that you had to be mindful of in either coaching these business owners or working with them to ensure that the food is safe?
1: Definitely. Uh, well, we are providing them the guidelines to ensure that when they donate food, they know it's being done in the safe way and they're able to educate and communicate that to the staff members. Very important to make sure that the kitchen staff and, uh, and the operations team in that moment knows exactly what food is donatable and how they can label it, store it, and make it ready to go for donations.
0: Can you give us kind of a glimpse of what some of those guidelines might look like?
1: Absolutely. Uh, great question. So uh, first of all, this food should have never been served to the consumer.
0: Check. <laughs> that one's important.
1: Very important. Secondly, this food, if it's hot, it should stay above 140 degrees and if it's cold or frozen it should stay below 40 degrees.
0: And really holding to the spirit of that Good Samaritan Act of doing everything that you can to donate the food in good faith.
1: Absolutely and, 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 that's, uh, and that's very important because uh, we want this process to benefit a lot of people and not have one incident and so we go above and beyond if nonprofits that are receiving prepared foods and do not have trained staff members for handling prepared food safely. We do empower them, enable them to get that training.
0: Exciting, so let's kind of pivot and really talk about this system because this is where all the genius happens. Mm -hmm. You have a mobile system that is really knocking down all those different barriers we talked about in the beginning from not only making it not quite as simple as throwing away, but making it really easy, efficient, and fast what does the system look like
1: great question it is a platform uh, with a mobile app at a high level it solves two key challenges how do you coordinate the movement of food from point a to point b and before that how do you match the food quantity and the product with the right nonprofit? each business is connected with a group of nonprofits that are in their vicinity and then as the donations become available Available And depending on their quantity and the type of the food, it could be prepared food, this could be uh, salads, soups, pizzas, wraps, or it could be ingredients such as produce or occasional dairy and proteins. How do we match these food products and quantities with a right nonprofit that can take it so that nonprofit finds value? They're not forced to take more than what they need.
0: And then have it go bad and wasteful, and then we're back to the initial problem. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. We don't want to shift food waste from A to B. We want to move high quality food from A to B. So matching is really important. Uh, certain nonprofits are only looking for 10 or 15 meals, while others can take hundreds of meals. And they are looking to serve better food to their clients.
0: So obviously, finding restaurants is pretty easy. You just open Yelp on your phone, and or just Google, and you have all the options. What kind of measures have you taken to find the different nonprofits who are accepting or need food in these different areas you serve?
1: Great question. Uh, of course, we rely. Uh, we start out with uh, a lot of Google searches <laughs> and some other local local databases. It's it's very surprising. Uh, local communities have developed their own databases and networks. and that's really the main engine uh, of growth is when you find one or two nonprofits, the word of mouth referral is very strong. Once a single nonprofit realizes how good and how healthy, fresh, delicious food they are receiving through this platform, the word spreads around quickly.
0: And so many times these different nonprofits that are either soup kitchens or food banks, they really are interconnected. I know back in my community of Idaho Falls, my parents work at a soup kitchen every Friday night. Um, It's actually really cool and quite fun to do. But that soup kitchen is connected also with um, a women's shelter where they have um, domestic abuse and different initiatives. And both of those are connected with the food bank. And so you're totally right. Once you tap into one, all nonprofits and all of these different organizations do want to share the wealth, especially when there's an abundance.
1: Certainly, and it's high quality food. It's coming from great restaurants. It's fresh, it's delicious. There's such a diversity. Some days you are seeing falafel and hummus. The other day you are seeing uh, uh, these healthy organic salads and quinoa products. So what you're doing is introducing some really high quality healthy food that we would love to have to those people who need it the most.
0: Yeah, when I was back home over Christmas, my husband and I went to the soup kitchen with my parents and Olive Garden had dropped off tons of different soups and tortellinis and different things to <laughs> kind of share with the community there and I was going, dang, oh. we're eating better. I mean, my mom made great food, so my mom's listening. We <laughs> ate great, but it wasn't quite Olive Garden. <laughs> uh,
1: certainly. And that's a treat and that's, uh, that brings joy, that brings dignity, that brings care and that brings health to these communities. And over time, uh, the beauty about a tech platform is that it, it starts out with these random connections and random opportunities, but over time you start seeing patterns, patterns of consistent donations, of consistent products, and these nonprofits can then start to rely on these donations and design their meal programs around these donations.
0: As a nonprofit, I mean, a lot of times in that world, it's a little bit day-to-day. So especially when you rely on donations, the ability to be able to predict it is really instrumental in their ability to serve.
1: Absolutely. You hit a great point. And that is where 0% has evolved from being just a mobile app to being a real platform that solves problems versus serve as a Band-Aid. A Band-Aid is simply, you know, today we have a problem of food waste, And today we can serve it to some nonprofit. But that nonprofit needs that food on an ongoing basis, on a weekly basis, sometimes even on a daily basis. How do we solve those deep, systematic problems?
0: You connect them with several different businesses in their community that have a surplus. It's so simple, but yet how come we didn't see this, you know, five, ten years ago?
1: And, and I was just speaking with someone about this. Uh, I believe uh, it's exciting that as technology is revolutionizing all aspects of our life, it is going to as, uh, affect and change and uh, revolutionize the giving aspect to it and solve some big problems. You know, Uber-like systems that can match uh, instantly, supply with demand, and then can Uber-like logistics that can move quickly product from A to B, are going to be game changers in solving social problems as well.
0: It's really great that you kind of brought in Uber and another company that I just love is Airbnb. And really all they're doing is creating a platform to connect people. Yet this simple act is really disrupting different industries across, I mean, every industry. No industry is safe right now. There is technology that's going to come in and change it, especially in 0%. It's really creating a positive impact.
1: Uh, Definitely, Uh, we are ourselves a technology company and we partner with many technology companies. Uh, In fact, recently uh, we partnered with a a Silicon Valley based company called Postmates, and they have a platform that connects with many couriers or logistics uh, fleet on demand.
0: Which is very helpful when you happen to run a company that is delivering food from restaurants to nonprofits kind of moving across the U.S.
1: You got it. And they have this a fleet across 40 cities. We are able to tap into that through our technology integration and and enable nonprofits that do not have the resources themselves to pick up the food to, in fact, say, hey, Postmates, can you deliver this food oh. to our facility? And uh, we got a special uh, discount for them, uh, for the nonprofits, to tap into the Postmates fleet. And this way, you know, we are not only partnering, but taking it to the next level and scaling this uh, solution to reach other nonprofits that would not be able to do it otherwise.
0: Let's talk about scaling because it's not just scaling to help support nonprofits who mainly don't have the infrastructure to pick it up. This is also giving you the ability to scale across the U.S. So what has the growth been of 0%?
1: Great question. So, uh, two and a half years ago, 0% was only a mobile app in Champaign-Urbana, a campus town two hours south of Chicago. Uh, Then we moved to Chicago, but had zero presence, zero nonprofits, zero businesses, nothing going on in Chicago. And two years later, we are now working with 80 nonprofits, 100 businesses, and moving 2000 meals a day through this platform in Chicago alone 2000 so meals 2000 meals a day Monday to Sunday
0: That's that's a lot of meals
1: It certainly is and goes to tell you that there is uh, an opportunity there is surplus uh, and uh, having learned that having intentionally just committed ourselves to Chicago and learning everything about this domain uh, now we are looking to expand outside Chicago this year. We have started food rescue program in Nashville, working with local nonprofit partners uh, and local businesses. And soon we'll be moving to other cities across the country.
0: I'm going to predict that in two years, we're going to have a version of 0% in all 50 states.
1: <laughs> Amen. <laughs>
0: you got to dream big, right?
1: Absolutely. I think uh, th- that's another exciting thing that we've learned where we start out looking at food waste as a problem. And now we start looking at food waste as an opportunity to solve hunger, to solve malnutrition, to solve access to fresh food for everyone in the community who needs it.
0: And by using a tech system, you really do have the opportunity to go quickly. I mean, you think of how fast Uber, Airbnb, and some of the other tech-based systems spread. I mean, to be totally honest, it's not just nationwide. Those systems are everywhere.
1: Those are everywhere. And uh, and I, I am de- deeply inspired by how they started, how uh, focused and uh, they were initially in certain communities or with certain users and learning everything about their users first and then spreading really quickly.
0: Now, one of the things that I find most fascinating is this is actually a business and that How I got introduced was through Impact Engine, which was really focused on impact investing. So not only is it a business, you have such a sound model that you are attracting impact investors like Nicole Chavez to say, yes, not only do I align with what you guys are doing, but I'm also willing to invest in you because I believe in the model. So can you please enlighten me how a business model that works on helping businesses to donate food actually makes money?
1: Great question. So a zero percent is structured as a public benefit corporation. It's a new legal entity structure that allows a business, a business corporation to have two outcomes, an impact outcome and a revenue outcome. And why that's important is so that the donation dollars, the resources of the nonprofits go directly towards the impact they do not pay any administrative salary or some overhead. However, we still need to support the uh, cost of building technology, of maintaining it to uh, incentivize our outreach teams, and to pay uh, my own salary. You got to gotta eat too. Bills. I mean, exactly. it doesn't look
0: super great if you're receiving all the food from your businesses, <laughs> but you know, it's probably nice to be able to cook your own food and, you know, pay rent, some of those things.
1: Exactly. So this beautiful structure called Public Benefit Corporation allows us to have impact stream where we report our impact in terms of pounds of food waste saved and meals delivered and also report revenue streams. And that helps us cover these administrative technology costs. And the way we uh, are envisioning this is when businesses donate food, not only they are doing the right thing, it's good for their business. It's good for their bottom line. We can create systems so that they have an ongoing stream of data around their food waste so they can optimize their purchase and production. They can also use this uh, data and dashboard to get their tax paperwork done. So as they're doing the right thing, they're also helping their bottom line and we charge them a monthly fee in order to access this dashboard.
0: And then so, a lot of times, both through the money they saved, kind of really making efficient what they order, and then also through the tax write-off, it's kind of a win for them.
1: It is a win for them as well. So uh, what we co- like to call it is a win-win-win. Win for the nonprofits, they access more food, better food. A win for businesses, they're doing the right thing, making an impact, and. It helps their business and win for us because we ha- that revenue helps us grow and reach more communities.
0: Oh, how did you kind of realize that there was a potential to actually have a social enterprise as opposed to a nonprofit through this model?
1: Certainly. So my dad is an entrepreneur. I- I'm all about entrepreneurship and solving problems, uh, using business principles because I believe those scale. Uh, I believe th- they, uh, can work, business principles can solve big problems. And we have a lot of things to learn from uh, business leaders such as Bill Gates and Warren Buffett in that respect, very inspiring people. So uh, it's it's all about a quest, you know, and where you are focusing your energies and learning at. Uh, a lot of nonprofits, they start out great, right? They start out with the right heart and passion. But what ends up happening is, uh, is, uh, is a cycle where a lot of resources are spent on fundraising. And it's that cycle that eventually leads some of them to spend 60% of the resources on raising funds and only 40% on the impact. So how do we uh, avoid that? And how do we look for value creation and opportunities where we are creating value through this platform and through this service and charge? And when you create business value, you can charge a fee. That's a simple business 101.
0: And that was kind of where the benefit corporation model came into play.
1: That certainly, and I'm great. I'm so grateful that many states have this provision. It's very recent, we, uh, I think in Illinois, I believe it only came about in 2013.
0: I'm glad that we're starting to create different opportunities, and not only that, but encourage businesses to measure their impact, not only by their revenues, but the actual impact that they're making in their communities.
1: Certainly. And making it very transparent so that every claim that they make is backed by data and they can always go back and see what donation was made on the 26th of January.
0: And as, you know, kind of part of this millennial generation, transparency is big because I don't want you just to tell me that you're making a big impact. I want to be able to see it. I want to be able to say, that, that sounds great and all, but, you know, prove it to me
1: certainly i think uh, and this technology and uh, the new age uh, uh, consumer is driving that change is driving that change towards transparency and real impacts versus just uh, wishy washy claims <laughs> hmm.
0: so talking about impact you mentioned that in this city of chicago you have you help facilitate 2000 meals being delivered a week what are some other impacts that you're seeing particularly one nonprofit's ability to increase their capacity.
1: So in Chicago, it's very interesting. Uh, many neighborhoods in Chicago are designated as food deserts, which food means deserts. that for food deserts, which literally means for miles and blocks and blocks and blocks, there is no source of fresh food within those neighborhoods. So there are certain neighborhoods that are very privileged to have, you know, uh, your fresh grocery stores and great restaurants while, other, while others do not have that same access. So it is this kind of segregation that we would like to bridge. And using food rescue as the solution to bring fresh food into those communities and using tech and logistics to make it happen on a consistent, reliable, and safe way. So these are some of the systematic challenges that we have seen firsthand in Chicago, only by doing and learning.
0: Now, with these nonprofits that help serve these food deserts, what impact have they been able to make since they started partnering with Zero Percent?
1: It's a great uh, great question, and there are some really interesting anecdotes here. So we worked with a fresh, healthy food uh, meal company in that that is close to downtown and they wanted to donate any surplus from their fresh uh, meal program and when we would bring those fresh meals that were individually wrapped and looked beautiful you would bring them to certain sort of nonprofits uh in south side Englewood. and uh, and the youth program there uh administ- manager there would tell us that she would serve these meals to them and initially there's a lot of skepticism what is this what is this uh Fruit and vegetable that we are seeing here, I have never seen this before. How does it even taste? And that was the resistance and skepticism when we started working there. That administrator and manager was so, uh, so amazing. She started making meals and doing some cooking exercises with the students, and over time, they've started to love the same food that they were initially very skeptical of. So we are introducing these new flavors, these new fresh foods and uh, vegetables that they have never seen before, let alone purchase them.
0: Oh, that is such a great point. And to our listeners, next week, we are going to talk about another really cool initiative that is also introducing school-age children to brand new foods such as turnips or carrots, literally straight out of the ground. And so just to really drive home the fact that there's power when you're not just kind of forcing these foods onto different individuals, but really working with them to educate them, to cook with them, and to make it fun. And that's how you get people excited about something different.
1: Certainly. And I think that's the opportunity we see as not, uh, as an opportunity to solve these systematic uh, deep issues in Chicago and beyond.
0: Oh. Well, with that, I think we're ready for some rapid fire.
1: Oh, okay. I'm, should I be scared? <laughs> <laughs> you should
0: probably be scared. Let's just put that out there.
1: Awesome. I'm here and I'm, I have my armor.
0: There you go. You <laughs> might. We're going to pierce that armor is what we're going to okay. do. <laughs> Coming up is that incredible rapid fire where we're going to dive into adventure, impact, mentorship, partnerships. And a whole lot more. One of the new things that we've been doing that have been my absolute favorite is really connecting with gas and pushing forward to see how you, our listeners, make a positive impact in your everyday life. If you're like so many of our listeners who have been asking how do I make that positive impact then I have a treat for you. Check out positiveimpactpodcast.com and download our free tips on five different ways that you can make a positive impact in your life today. It's all about making small positive steps towards moving towards that bigger impact. And with that We're ready for some adventure. Life is a balance of work, passion, and adventure. Can you tell us about a recent adventure or excursion you've gone on?
1: Yes, I was so excited. Uh, The last 10 days of 2015, uh, my parents and my wife, all four of us, we went on a 10-day-long road trip through Nevada and California.
0: Oh, where in California did you hit?
1: So we uh, so we started in Las Vegas, went to Grand Canyon, then Lake Tahoe, and from Lake Tahoe we hit San Francisco. And from San Francisco we drove over 3 or 4 days uh, on Highway 1 and 101 down to Santa Monica and Los Angeles. Wow. So it was the best trip of my life and having a great time with my parents and my family. It's incredible and seen some beautiful sights.
0: Yeah, that's a really scenic incredible trip that you had.
1: Indeed, and I was telling my fans, you have seen almost all the landscapes uh, in this trip that the earth, the beautiful earth has to offer. You have seen canyons, you have seen snow, mountains, oceans, hills, rivers, and it's amazing California can package them all together in one state.
0: Thank you for including snow in the beautiful <laughs> things that Earth can uh, provide. I love snow. I think it's the most beautiful and magical thing, especially growing up in Idaho. But living in San Diego, there's a little bit of a different appreciation for snow. Or can I say no appreciation for snow? It's very <laughs> sad.
1: Oh, you are missing out on all the skiing. And, I know. Uh... Yeah. That's where Lake Tahoe was important. My mom loved the fact that we went to Lake Tahoe and she was able to see her first live snow experience. uh, So that was magical. We we all woke up at 3 a.m. to make sure that she doesn't miss it.
0: Oh, that's so magical. And especially with the moon hitting that snow and it just is so bright and beautiful, I'm a little jealous. (laughs) (laughs) And that leads great into the next question, which is many social entrepreneurs find solace and tranquility in the outdoors. Have you found this to be true or beneficial in your work? Uh,
1: definitely, I'm, a, I'm an outdoor person. Uh, I wish Chicago allowed us to go out and be outside, uh, you know, uh, every day of the year. But any opportunity I have, I would like to go on a hike, I would like to be on the ocean front, I would like to be on top of mountains or in the middle of forest. Uh, and uh, I have driven pretty much all over the United States. I think I'm only missing Seattle and San Diego, the two corners. <laughs> very soon, very soon, I hope to hit them as well.
0: And they're a little bit of a drive from Chicago. Like, let's be honest. Certainly, uh,
1: They are, but, you know, knowing me, uh, one day I will just rent a car on a weekend and just drive over to at least, if not Seattle, to Bedlands and Mount Rushmore, I've heard so much great things about our northwest and north side and haven't been there. Yeah,
0: yeah. if you're going to drive to San Diego, you need more than a weekend.
1: <laughs> oh, San Diego, no, no. I, we missed, I mean, when we were in Santa Monica, there was a great recommendation. Take a day and go to San Diego, but just couldn't fit in our schedule. So next <laughs> you guys
0: time. did have a lot. Now, when you're going on all these excursions, whether you're hiking or in the woods, what is one must-have item that you always take with you?
1: Ah, that's a hard one. I'm, you know why that's a hard one? Because I'm a minimalist. I like to carry the least things possible. And it's almost always looking at the day's weather and the landscape to see what can I not pick up today, you know? I've also hiked in, in, on snow mountains without snowshoes, you know? That's, that's the kind of person I am. So it's hard for me. I think, I think in this day and age, if there's any constant, it's my uh, glasses, the glasses I wear, uh, ah. The spectacles and my smartphone.
0: I love that you called them spectacles. That was so classy.
1: <laughs> so, and my smartphone. You know, smartphone is just a you know, it's it's your rescuer. It's your life-saving device in the end. So. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: we're preparing for the worst when we head out on mountains. Check. <laughs> oh, great. Certainly. Can you describe a time when you were able to have boots on the ground and really see the impact of your work in action?
1: Uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that brings This question brings lots of nostalgia for me, and I'll tell you why. Before we even started 0%, I used to volunteer for a soup kitchen in Champagne, Urbana. I was a grad student there, and every morning uh, I was uh, requested by a volunteer coordinator to go to the school around 8 a.m. after they have served their breakfast and rescue some fruits and vegetables and boxes of dairy. And every Saturday morning I would go to that school and see some amazing food items and that were set aside by very young, I I think this was middle school even, young but conscious uh, students and they knew that this food was going to a soup kitchen. So it was very, very, you know, fulfilling and heartwarming experience to see our youth being engaged and being aware of this process. And this was before even 0% started.
0: So many of my guests on the show have actually really pinpointed volunteering as what opened their eyes to not only the problems they wanted to solve, but also the opportunity to create either a social enterprise or a nonprofit. So I'm just blown away that your example also came back to volunteering.
1: Certainly, I think these are shared experiences and that's why social entrepreneurs Uh, a great group to hang out you know they have so many shared experiences
0: and they're just fun (laughs) (laughs) thank you entrepreneurship is always a roller coaster with some amazing decisions and sometimes you know we fear failure but a lot of times you have to fail forward what was your favorite mistake that you've had creating this company
1: Hey, that question again, lots of nostalgia. So remember I told you we had a beautiful app in Champaign-Urbana mm-hmm. that sold a single Einstein bagel store. So when we moved to Chicago and uh, were going through the impact engine accelerator and uh, our goal was to get this platform up and running in Chicago. So I thought, you know, in my naive arrogance that, okay, I have this beautiful app, it already works in champagne, let's give it to some restaurants in Chicago and let the magic happen. So I managed to hustle through and find uh, uh, a great uh, restaurant leader and he said, yeah, you, you know, Raj, I believe you and I really like to see our excess food going to a non So let me try your app today and we have some excess cheese and some bread that we would like to donate. So they post their first donation, and I'm so excited that this is our you know, first donation in Chicago, a big large city, and we are going to do great things from here on. So uh, as the donation is posted, uh, a local uh, shelter claims that donation and says we are going to come and uh, pick up the donation. So what I did was, this restaurant is in downtown Chicago, and I find a coffee shop right across from the street from that restaurant. And I grabbed that window seat so that as soon as that van and uh, from the shelter pulls over and picks up the donation, I'm going to take lots of photos for our first donation. Four hours later, nobody shows up.
0: Oh, no! Not magical! Not magical! Not
1: magical, at least not at the beginning. So, And I called the chef from this uh, shelter. You know, uh, you had committed to come in and you claimed the donation. What happened? And he said that, You know what, my wife was uh, going to pick me from the shelter and we would drive to downtown to pick up, but uh, she had uh, uh, to go on uh, some other uh, uh, engagement at the last minute and we could not make it. And that's when it hit me that making this, my beautiful app work in Chicago and with all its driving and parking and traffic and construction challenges, will not be easy and i have to do something more to make it easy reliable safe and consistent
0: but hey now it's gonna it's soon going to be just as easy as throwing away your trash so what might have been a little humiliating at first is really led you guys to become a stronger organization
1: <laughs> uh, certainly I, I, it was great to go through the experience and really evolve and relook at what how we can even take it to the next level and i'm glad we did
0: What book do you recommend to other socially-minded individuals who want to make a positive impact?
1: In terms of entrepreneurship, I'm a big believer in entrepreneurship and even the socially-minded impact entrepreneurs. Ideally, I I would like to see a world where there's no difference between a social entrepreneur and an entrepreneur. Ooh, I like that. (laughs) It's all about solving great problems. It's all about solving great problems that scale, and it should all be about creating innovative business models and technologies to solve that. Uh, so I would like to uh, have that differentiation go away. And, and that's where I believe that an entrepreneur, no matter you're a social entrepreneur or uh, whatever you would like to call, it, there's, a, there's a great book, Lean Startup, uh, by Eric Ries. It, it's a great exercise in solving your problems by stripping away and peeling away those layers, those layers of problems, those layers of uh, uh, solutions and those layers of messages so that you go down to the crux of what you need to do. And Lean Startup defines a process to get you to the crux of what you want to do.
0: To all the movers and shakers out there listening, if you haven't picked up Lean Startup yet, you really need to because this is one of the most recommended books on the show.
1: Um, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> myself included,
0: I need to pick it up. So obviously that's a sign. <laughs>
1: Certainly.
0: Raj, is there a mantra or a motto that guides forward your work with zero percent?
1: Uh, in my own personal philosophy, and again, going back to my passion for entrepreneurship, there's one quote that stands out for me. And it's from Reid Hoffman of LinkedIn. He's the founder of LinkedIn. And he said, and let me get it right. Uh, entrepreneurship is like jumping off a cliff and building a plane on the way down.
0: That really kind of does describe entrepreneurship.
1: <laughs> it does. And it does because once you decided this is a problem I'm going to solve today and from today, you really don't know what you need to do in order to solve that problem. There are interesting challenges and uh, problems that come along your way and you look at all your toolbox the whole toolbox technology and uh, finance and sales and marketing to solve that problem along the way so that's what we do at
0: 0% oh, you guys really are building solutions as you've dived right in to finish today what is one tip that our listener can do to make a positive impact in the world and preferably not you know, jumping off any cliffs <laughs>
1: Well, that wouldn't be a bad thing to do as long as you know uh, what you, uh, which ocean you want to dive in. So there you go. Um,
0: Positive spin. Uh, I,
1: for me, for me, that was a food waste. I, you know we, as we are talking trash today, yes, we, I have dump, dived into dumpsters and made those things uh, kind of give them a realistic spin. But I think uh, to our listeners, I'm really passionate passionate about entrepreneurship and about food waste reduction. And food touches everyone. Food touches all 7 billion people on this planet three to five times a day. So look for opportunities on how you can cut food waste today in your life. At your home, at your favorite restaurants, ask them what they do with their surplus. At your grocery stores, again, ask them what do they do with their surplus. And... And use those uh, touch points with your food to ask yourself how you can cut food waste because that food could bring nutrition, dignity, care to someone in need and everyone can make a difference. And to learn more, please visit foodrescue, www.foodrescue.io.
0: Raj, this has been such an amazing episode. I really do appreciate not only your time today but also for kicking off our entire month on being a little bit more green and addressing some of these sustainable issues that we have today. How do our listeners learn more about your company?
1: Uh, Great questions. Uh, uh, Please feel free to reach out to me directly, raj at foodrescue.io and visit www.foodrescue.io where we will list the impact that Food Rescue is making in the communities that we are present. And soon, it will be in many communities across the country. So that's www.foodrescue.io to see how you can join this movement against food waste and looking at food rescue as a solution to solve hunger and nutrition, malnutrition.
0: Raj, you have honestly been an inspiration, and I have thoroughly enjoyed this complete and amazing insight into the food waste issue in a not only the food waste issue, but also the solutions out there from innovative entrepreneurs like yourself.
1: Oh, thank you. It is my pleasure, Alex. You are one of the most passionate speakers and uh, interviewers I've faced, and I've really enjoyed this conversation with you.
0: Oh, so appreciate it. Thank you. (laughs) As Raj pointed out, we were talking trash today, but what a fun and innovative model to really kick off this entire month long focus of different green efforts and I have to say that was really fun to dive into one of the most innovative and clever models I've seen around some of these sustainable measures. Raj is going to share some really incredible photos of his different efforts around Chicago with us so make sure to check out the show notes page for not only those but all the resources we've mentioned today. And you know the drill, we have two free audio downloads thanks to Audible, so you can pick up your copy of The Lean Startup in one of our other highly recommended books that our guests have shared on the show. Join us on Friday as we connect with one of their fantastic partners who are really bringing that work of 0% alive. And then join us for the entire month as we are talking food, we're talking sustainability, we're talking energy and more. It's going to be an amazing month. Until next time, keep doing your part to make the world a better place.